Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited about this episode. It is pure gold. Oftentimes when I'm giving a human design reading to somebody, I get to the point where I say, let's talk about your emotions. And they lean in and their shoulders relax and they say, yes, let's talk about my emotions. Everyone wants to know what human design tells us about our emotions. So let's investigate. Human design differentiates between feelings and emotions. In human design, a feeling is when you have a thought and that thought creates a feeling. So imagine biting into a juicy peach. Mm. And you feel happy when you taste that, I don't know how to describe the taste of a peach, but just that deliciousness and that juice. And it's the type of juicy peach where the juice just goes everywhere and all of a sudden you're wearing it. And so you have the thought, "Mm, this tastes so good, it makes me happy. And then the feeling is happiness. Now an emotion comes without a thought. An emotion is just the universe, just cranking a dial and boom, you're feeling sad. You're feeling angry. You're feeling joyful. You're feeling all the things, but there was no thought that came with it. Now, humans, humans are funny. We have this thing where we love to say, what's wrong? And we say that to ourselves and we say it to other people. And when we say what's wrong, And when we try to answer what's wrong, we go up into our heads and we try to figure out what triggered us. And we will find something. We will always find something because we we are incredible storytellers. We're built for this. This is survival. And when we create a feeling, well, it can last. It's going to last until we change the thought. So it can last days, weeks, months, years. An emotion, however, will only last 24 hours if you stay out of your head and you just ride it. So of course, emotional experiences are unique for every single human. But I thought that doing some case studies would help give you a sense of what it's like to ride an emotional wave and what it's like to have an open solar plexus and not have your own emotions, but to feel and amplify everybody else's emotions. So this is a two-part episode. In the first part, I talked to my husband, Pete, who it has there, right there, let me pause for a moment to tell you that there are four different types of emotional waves. We're only going to explore Pete's, which is spontaneous highs and lows. So he had just experienced uh, an emotional wave and he talks us through that experience. And then we go to Tina who has an open solar plexus and she feels and amplifies other people's emotions. So we get a sense for what it's like for both of those experiences. Now, if you're new to human design, let me simplify this for you. If you look at your chart and it says that you have emotional authority, then that means you have an emotional wave or maybe two emotional waves or three emotional waves or four emotional waves. All of these are possible. If you look at your chart and it says anything other than emotional authority, then it means that you have an open solar plexus and you feel and amplify other people's emotions. All right. Enjoy this episode. I hope 
it brings you a sense of, I hope it makes you feel seen. I hope it helps you make sense of yourself. And of course, if you really want to dig into your particular emotional wave and your particular experience, we can do that one-on-one. Go to kelseyabbott.com slash human design to book a reading. And we're in the holiday season. This is a forever thing, but it feels like a good thing to tell you about it right now. And it's brand new. You can get human design gift certificates. So head over to my website under play with me, that drop down tab at the bottom, there's human design gift certificates. So you can get one for everyone on your list. You choose the amount and we make something beautiful and help your friends set up the experience. I love you. You are perfect. Go forth and be awesome. Okay, so thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. You recently had an emotional wave, and we're still new to this whole human design experiment. Like, how does one know when you're in an emotional wave? What does it feel like? How do you know when it's out? How do you navigate it? We've got questions. I've got questions. I've got questions for you today. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that came up from it was as we were starting to discuss it, like, yeah, we're still figuring this out. Like, even with everything that you know about human design and everything you've taught me, there are some elements that are still very much. And then how does this express itself with you? How do you feel when you're navigating through this? And even someone with the exact same emotional wave may feel a little bit differently than me. So how did you know that you were in an emotional wave? I think the most accurate way of answering that question is I don't think I knew I was in an emotional wave at the start. Um, One of the ways that I figured it out was thanks to something that you had talked to me about emotional waves and how it can feel, there can be a lack of clarity. Things can feel not clear. And what I realized is I felt like my head was packed with wool. Like I was just looking, like it wasn't, basically I wasn't, I wasn't able to process the world through a clear window like I normally would, like it was hazy. And I think hazy may be a term that you've used in the past, but for me, it was literally like, I felt like my head was full of wool. I've used, I say that it's like wearing foggy goggles because that's what it's felt like for me. And that, that foggy goggles uh, when I'm in the wave. And then when I come out of the wave, everything just feels so crisp and clear for me. We have different emotional waves because there are four different emotional waves and we are different humans. Right. So of course everything is going to feel different for each one of us. And I think that was a key differentiator between how you described it for yourself and helping me trying to figure it out and how it felt for me. Whereas you would, you described it as goggles, which were in a way external. And for me, that never really resonated because for me, it feels internal. Like it feels like my brain is the part that's foggy as opposed to having goggles that are foggy. Do you feel it anywhere else in your body? It's hard because it doesn't stick with me. So what doesn't stick with you? Like the, the, the feeling of it. So me being able to recall. Being oh, because the, you're not in it right yeah, now. Yeah, because I'm not in it right now or wasn't just in it. It's hard for me to remember that. But that it's my head is definitely the most 
noticeable thing. Like I remember that feeling. So it's possible there's other parts that I feel, but I just, I just don't remember. So again, mm-hmm. when did you figure out you were in an emotional wave? I would, I think it was by the evening when we were cooking that you asked something and I said something and I was clearly very, like very clearly not like a hundred percent. And I was like, and I think I'm in an emotional wave. And you were like, ah. <laughs> and I think from that, the conversation steered towards, okay, if you're in an emotional wave, this, like, how can we adapt what we're doing cooking-wise? And I think I literally finished the one thing that I was doing. And I was like, can you finish up? And I just went and sat down and just kind of chilled, um, which was, thank you, was great. It's exactly what I needed to do. But that was what it was. I think there was enough data that I had collected that finally led me to the conclusion of like, no, you're not just frustrated with this thing or this thing isn't just bumming you out or it's the, the, it's kind of like when you've driven long enough, you, when you first start driving and it's like cold outside and you think it's foggy outside and you're driving and you pass the first intersection and you're like, wow, it's really foggy outside. There's eventually some point that triggers you enough to be like, or maybe it's my windshield and you wipe your windshield and you find out that it's just foggy in your car. So it took enough instances for me to finally realize, wait a second, I think the common denominator here is me and my like perceptions being off by the fact that I'm in an emotional wave. So I, I mean, I think it ended up being maybe a few hours, um, which which is great compared to what it has been in the past. But yeah, I think it was by dinner time that I was just like, huh. So you started, you started to tell us, but I'm still going to ask you, what did you do once you knew that you were in an emotional wave? I started by, it's like, no go tell. Well, I started the reverse. <laughs> I said, tell. And then I said, no. And then I go. <laughs> Basically, I told you I was in an emotional wave. I said no to the things that I was stuck doing because I felt like, no, like I enjoy cooking dinner with you. That's one of the things that we enjoy doing. I wasn't having any fun cooking dinner. I just wanted to go away and sit down and just kind of. And so I was like, no, I don't have to do this because it's not just a suck it up. It's not just a bull through it. It's not just a. And then I went and I sat down. And what did you do when you sat down? Do Nothing. You remember? Did you stare at the ceiling? Did you no? I didn't stare at the ceiling. Did you I think watch I, TV? I think I scroll on the phone. I think no. I also watched. We have the fireplace app, so I think I stared at the fireplace for a while, which is an awesome Netflix app, by the way. Like the whole fireplace thing. Um, so yeah, like I, I think I just I think I numbed a bit, and that was okay because it was kind of a conscious like. Uh, I, I th- this is something I just have to ride out, so I'm just going to ride it out. I don't want to feel like I actively have to do something. So we have talked. I have taught you. That sounds really pretentious, <laughs> but um, I don't know other words for it right now. I have taught you that an emotional wave lasts 24 hours, mm-hmm. and the the way to navigate it is to ride it. Because mm-hmm. if we go up into our head, which is humans love to say, what's wrong? And we say, what's wrong 
what's wrong with me? Like, what's up? What triggered this? We say what's wrong when somebody else seems upset. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we say what's wrong, we go up in our head and we look for what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And we can always find things. Mm -hmm. So then we create a feeling and feelings last however long those thoughts last. And those thoughts last until we change them. So how did you ride the, the next 24 hours? So that's that like it's a good point that you mentioned with the whole thoughts because I my go-to is thoughts and I think I had started the first couple of hours trying to figure out what had triggered me and what you know was this you know something that that I'd read in the news feed the politics or stuff like that and so the that key thing that I did once I realized I was I was in an emotional wave was stop kind of match the story to whatever was going on and just and just let it go. And then when I woke up in the next morning, I think think I was 100% still. I think I was still in an emotional wave. Um, Kelsey is nodding her head yes vehemently, <laughs> vigorously. Um, and so I just, I still wrote it out. Like I did, you know, I did a few things that I needed to do. I had some work to do. I did the work. Um, but what I stopped doing was, it sounds weird, I stopped thinking about it. Like I just stopped playing it over in my mind whether or not it was a news story or or like I think I stopped looking at the news too just because when I'm in an emotional wave and I'm in that kind of a mood like news stories stick and there's plenty of angry stuff in the news um so yeah I think the key was not thinking about where the source of it was or what was causing it or what was triggering it or how I could get out of it and just just let it ride how did you, so your work typically involves a whole lot of time at the computer, creating these 3D models and writing mm-hmm. and interacting with other humans. How did you navigate that when you were in an emotional wave? Did you continue to act, interact with other humans beyond I don't, me? I don't think I did. I don't think I, I think that was one of the ways I just didn't, I protected myself and <laughs> other humans. Um, by just not, not interacting. I didn't have any scheduled calls, so there wasn't anything I needed to reschedule. I just didn't actively reach out to people. Um, I think I focused on little bite-sized things in my to-do list. So there's a couple of things that I've got ongoing that are larger project projects, and I just didn't do those. And I just looked for little victories and little things that I could just keep moving forward. So I could feel like I'm moving forward, but not have to be... Um, at my sparkliest while I do it. Talk more about those little victories. Were Are these things that are, you know, don't take any brain power? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're sending off a simple email and I'd just never gotten around to attaching the thing and mailing it off to the person. Um, they are things that I'd put off when I am more excited about doing other things. And so... This just allowed me to, yeah, just just cross things off the list, which makes me feel better. Um, but yeah, it, it, they're they're not particularly. I don't want to say that they're they're they don't require any kind of thinking about them at all, because some of them still required crafting an email and the language in the email. Um, but but for the most part, there are things I've been putting off because I didn't want to do them because I was looking to do other things and I think to be honest there's a part of like well I'm already in this emotional wave like the world already looks kind of foggy whatever 
So it's not going to be worse by sending out this email. You know, these are things that sometimes are low energy stuff that I just didn't want to deal with because it's just the energy around them is a little icky. And so sometimes it's just like, well, I'm already wrapped up in icky energy. Like if your hands are already dirty, it doesn't matter if they get even more dirty. So so I usually advise people not to email anyone <laughs> when they're in an emotional wave because emotional waves push us into divine timing. Like especially if you're going to ask someone for something. They're going to say no when you're in the emotional wave. But if you wait that 24 hours, then you'll get whatever the universe wants to give you. I agree. I think none of the emails were asking things of people. They are more the equivalent of paper pushing. Like it was filing things or notifying or like stuff like that. Because I hear you and, and there were things that I was just like, no, I'm not going to reach out to those people. I had on my list to reach out to a bunch of dive shops to follow up with them to see. And I was like, not going to do it. That Um, was a good move. So, yeah, I mean, because I remembered that from, you know, from the past. But I do think that there's, like, regular little paper pushing, like, filling out, you know, updating my spreadsheet for people that I'd already, like, stuff like that, which is boring, Um, that that it wasn't requesting anything of anyone, didn't really require that energetically more positive state. So how did you know that you were out of the wave? I think it's a really good question. I don't think I knew I was out of the wave when I was actually out of the wave. I think it was, it's one of those things when you kind of have a chronic pain and you suddenly realize that it hasn't hurt and you don't remember when it stopped hurting, but you know, it doesn't hurt now. This is what I, for me, I don't want to talk about my emotional wave, but apparently I am a little bit. It, I relate it to like when you have um, a loose tooth or a canker sore or something in your mouth and you kind of constantly find yourself investigating with your tongue like, oh, is it better? No. Is it better? No. And it's just like mm-hmm. you kind of investigate and you're like, oh, it's, it's actually better. better. And you're not sure when. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's so like I just suddenly was, hey, <laughs> The world's not a horrible place. Like, it's not dim and dark and my energy isn't all, like, icky. It's like, eh, I'm optimistic about stuff. I'm, so that's, the, that's when I knew I was out of it, but I wouldn't be able to pinpoint any kind of transition. What, how did you feel? How did your body feel? My, my brain felt clear. So the closest thing I can equate it to is when I had Lyme and... Just that that inability to think straight and use executive functioning while I was in the throes of Lyme, then I was free of that. And so it's it's that back to normal, back to thinking clearly, back to having straight thoughts. That's that was when I knew. So what did you learn from this experience? I think it was really helpful to go through an emotional wave with my eyes open. I think a lot of the times in the past, because it's been a while since I've had one, and I think the last one I had lasted, or maybe there were a couple in a row, and so it felt confusing, and I wasn't sure if I had come out of it and gone back in. So to have a nice, normal one that was short, 24 hours, I realized early on that I was in one, I kind of rode it out, and then it disappeared, like the way it's supposed to be, helped me chart the path through it, in a way that made sense and I could remember, like I could, you know, make my notes, mental notes and go forward next time being like, got it. So it did work the way, like it's like an experiment that goes right. It's like, 
okay, I feel like I know a little bit more about it. I've been through one. I got a bit more of a feel for it. And often when you were first talking to me about them, like I'd only realize at the end or I'd only realize after a couple of days or, and so I wouldn't necessarily have good data for like the full stretch of it. Um, and so I, I feel more comfortable in being like, yeah, that was an emotional wave. Okay. I, I, rem- I remember as much as I can't remember everything, how it felt in my body. Like I remember very much how it felt in my head. And that's the first time I could actually remember that feeling after it was gone. And that will help me identify it going forward. Um, and knowing that it just like I, by letting it alone and then not feeding it, it goes away. And so I'm back after 24 hours. Did the emotional wave allow you to feel or experience anything that you otherwise wouldn't? I think the short answer is no. Um, I, I, you've talked about it being a way to see stuff and maybe that's the next level, but, um, no, it pretty much was just like, okay, I'm in it. Just chill for 24 hours and then everything will come back to normal. Do you, what's your plan? Uh, That's not the right word. Is there anything you'll do differently next time you find yourself in an emotional wave? Uh, No, I think trying to identify it a little bit earlier. I try to communicate it with you a little bit earlier. Um, But I think that the process of getting out from underneath it was was exactly what I'd try and do next time. Um, And if there's anything that I might do differently, it would be to, to let go more of trying to do anything like not even necessarily worrying about the little to do things that I cleaned up, like just, just check out for 24 hours. Um, that would be the only thing different, but I think the rest of it is pretty much I'd go forward like that until I either get a better understanding of it and, and how to adjust the behavior through it. Or as you say, if, if I start feeling into it more and there's more to get out of it, then I might change. But for now, I think it's pretty much just like, oh yeah, that worked. Okay. And if now I can go forward with that and kind of ride them out more effectively than I have in the past, then I think that would be winning. It sounds like you're feeling it's an opportunity for more being, less doing. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think the little bit of doing that I did this time was more a reflection of that that tends to be my go-to. Um, and I don't think it necessarily was constructive for that. So it would be to test whether or not less doing and more being, um, would in fact make it an easier process. Is there anything else that we, that you, you want to share? No, I think, I think that was, I think what really struck me about it was once I had gone through it with an awareness that we could then talk about it afterwards to identify the differences in how it felt in our like when you were talking about it being external goggles and I was saying it was like actually internal to the head. Um, that's, I think, I think the key in that is how much different emotional waves are experienced, but also how different we all are in experiencing what might otherwise be construed as the same emotional wave. Um, so anyone listening who's like, Oh, I don't feel it like that. Well, that's, like 
that's fine. That's probably normal. Um, and I think the more you hear about how people feel it differently, the more you can different things will resonate and you can kind of piece together what your own experience is. This has been really helpful. Thanks. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad to share. Thank you for doing this with me. <laughs> you can't start a podcast without laughing, can you? No. Or the other day I went, mm, because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> but also it's just funny for you to thank me for doing this with you. Cause like what else do we do? You're right. You're right. Fun manners. I still want to thank you. You're welcome. So we're gonna talk to you. You're you're my case study right now for <laughs> someone with an open solar plexus. So with your open solar plexus, you do not have your own emotional waves. You do not have your own emotions. Mm -hmm. You have plenty of feelings, mm -hmm. and you feel and amplify other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. What is that like? <laughs> I don't know, because <laughs> I only know what it's like to be me. Um, and so it's like, what is it like kind of feels relative, right? And so it's hard. Um, okay, so things that I know. Um, one thing is that when you told me that I don't have my own emotional wave, I wanted to call bullshit. It felt like something was being taken away from me. Um, a lot of times in human design, we talk about things the desire for things to feel like get out of jail free cards or permission slips. Um, I am somebody who coming into alignment with my design, which I've been at it long enough to know that like, this is, this stuff is true. And also it doesn't always feel like a huge permission slip. Sometimes it feels like an existential crisis because our not selves have kind of arranged our beliefs and the way that we are in the world in a way that it get, it gets to keep holding on. And so when it has to let go, it, it has not in my experience always felt like glorious. A lot of times there's a lot of shit to be removed. There's a lot of, okay, well then how is it possible that I feel like one of the most emotionally crazy people I know, and now you're telling me I don't have any like that just felt like such a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. And that's what like <laughs> human design officially would categorize you, categorize you as quote unquote, non-emotional. <laughs> I refuse to tell people that because it, yeah, you're going to call bullshit right away because you guys are feeling, feeling and amplifying everybody's emotions. Mm -hmm. So you are in fact the most emotional your waves just, well, they aren't your own and they're totally unpredictable. Yeah. Yes. And also <laughs> I was contemplating this, which we know is dangerous um, <laughs> in um, preparation for knowing we were going to converse and <laughs> way to be super formal. <laughs> You're the one who thanked me for joining you. And now all of a sudden we're using the term converse. <laughs> so 
I have a belief. I don't know if this is one of human design's beliefs or not, that any of our open centers are completely open. They're value neutral as to what is coming in and being amplified. And so when human design is taught, again, this is continuing along my own belief, my own thought pattern. When human design is taught, a lot of times we're teaching the open centers through others, not selves, because there's so much not self in the world that everybody is swimming through. And hopefully in the coming age of Aquarius and the new paradigm and all the things we want to call it, the new earth, we're all going to be rising. We are rising. We are popcorn kernels popping, and there's going to be more and more of us in our full popped glory. Um, and so I think a lot of the ways in which human design talks about these open centers and surfing other people's emotional waves, like this is where you get like the wounded empath or one of the places, right? Like this, and that could happen in any center. Woe Wait, is me. Define, what does that mean? Yeah. Woe is me. I'm feeling others blank so strongly. And then the next logical thing is. I must protect myself. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about a flipping of the concept of boundaries on its head in my episode on not this called beautiful boundaries around like, what if boundaries are actually made from our full light shining out? And then they just become our natural perimeter, just like a, a beautiful property would have a natural perimeter. And people wouldn't know when they were entering that property that like, oh, this, this is what this place, this is the energy of this place. Right. And instead of thinking of everything as like these moats and these walls and these big steel things that have to be out there because everybody's kind of trying to come and get me because I have this open emotional center and I'm riding all your fuckers waves all the time and I can't control any of it, <laughs> which is what it would feel like. Right. And so that openness leads me to also say, holy shit, once, okay, so the moment this really clicked for me was, it was 6 a.m. in Hawaii, five-hour time difference. I was keeping our normal 11 o'clock time together because it was sacred to me to get to connect with you. And I woke up or I, I set an alarm <laughs> to wake up at six, at six and went and sat down on the beach and started talking to you. And I was just in hysterics and um, you were like, Tina, this isn't yours. And I'm like, how could it not be mine? I felt it in every cell of my body and my being. It did not seem possible that this couldn't be mine. I'm like, how are you? Because what I perceived at the time was, I'm making this up. I'm putting that in air quotes. I'm making this up. If it's not mine, then I've created this. I've invited it in and I've made it up. Well, one of the most scary things to the not self is empowerment. And what you were giving me in that moment was empowerment. You were giving me choice that you don't, you weren't saying I wasn't feeling what I was feeling. <laughs> Or experiencing what I was experiencing, you were saying, if it's not yours, you don't have to. Yeah. And so then together, 
and with the help of a bee who decided to sting me in the ass, <laughs> starting my trifecta of bee sting medicine, which if you're not familiar with, look it up. Amazing medicine bees have to give us um, on so many levels, physical, emotional, energetic, spiritual, was an ability to say, okay, then I am willing to look at the fact that maybe this isn't mine and therefore isn't mine to try to process all the way through because there was no, I remember during that conversation at one point in time, you said to me, I think I said something along the lines of this keeps happening. And you were like, and what's the result? And I was like, nothing, nothing's getting better. And the part of me at the time that didn't understand that it wasn't mine thought, I have to bravely keep going deeper and deeper and deeper because we know to be true that when things are for us, when they are ours, if we're brave enough to look them in the eye and go all the way to the depths of them, then that's where the gem is. And the gem either comes in the actual direct seeing of the thing that was at the bottom of it or in the clearing out of old stuff and then the gem can show itself. And so you asking that question and then me saying with such clarity, nothing's changing, <laughs> nothing ha- I go to the bottom of these places and nothing's, nothing good is coming of it was part of what allowed me to have that like, oh, fuck, like I, I really do have to contemplate the, am I open enough for the possibility that things could be different? And so I forget if it was during that same call, my guess, my best guess is it was a bit later because I was so overcome. I, I think I got off the call and I was still crying and then the bee sting happened and that made me knew, know that I had to get up off the sand and go <laughs> tend to my bee sting. And so either later that day or the next day, I had the realization that, hey, I have spirit on my side. I have a team with me all, at all times, which of course I already knew about, but like, if that's true, then this isn't about your brain trying to find somewhere else or even your body trying to find some other truth. It's about handing it over and asking for guidance. And so I said, okay, we're going to start this experiment. Every time I feel strong, what I would refer to as emotions, which for the purpose of me talking, I'm just going to put feelings and emotions all in the same bucket because it's I'm overcome with something that's causing me, inspiring me to cry or to scream or to dance or to whatever. Okay, fantastic. If a large portion of what I'm feeling isn't quote unquote mine to process through, and by continuing to try to process through it, it's like no transmutation is happening. There's no less density in me because I'm in essence tuning into some other source, which is endless and infinite. Like, can you imagine trying to process all of the grief on the planet? Any one of us, you would not, you wouldn't make it. You would, I can just tell you right now, you wouldn't make it. So I was like, spirit, you're going to pinch me in the back when it's mine. And then when it's not mine, just leave me alone. And we're just going to, so we're going to do an experiment. 
So instead of just wholesale jumping into another camp and letting the brain take over or whatever, we're going to do an experiment. We're going to have an experience. And so spirit started pinching me. And what I learned, I didn't keep notes, but what I learned was approximately 10% of the time it was mine. And when I had the clarity that it was mine, then I got to actually learn something from it. I got to follow it back to its roots. I got to find the gem or be presented with the gem after I uprooted the weed or whatever, however we want to say it. Um, And the rest of the 90% of the time, I would then connect to the light, source energy, creator, Santa. And I would say, take it, take it. Because if there was any chance that I could transmute that, the only chance would be through source, not through me having to have a never-ending hysterical emotional experience again. (laughs) This is gold. Hmm. So what, since that moment, since that experiment, Mm -hmm. what has it been like when you have felt other people's emotions? Hmm. So most of the time since that experiment, hmm, I don't attract other people's emotions anymore because back to our boundaries coming from the truth within us, it was an earth school lesson I needed to learn. And once I learned it, law of attraction doesn't need to bring those experiences to me anymore. So when I get a message from an empath saying, oh my God, I've just now finally learned how to deal with everyone else's stuff around me. And now, oh my God, I'm going to protect myself from the world. I'm like, I don't, I can't even respond other than I love you because that's not capital T truth. I don't want to take away that that's their truth in the moment of what they feel that they need to be working through conceptually or something, but the truth of our open centers, and thank you for bringing me full circle, whether you knew you were doing it or not, of course not. <laughs> is they are value neutral open. They are the absolute value of energy. And so if the lesson we need to learn is through open centers, attracting the density, the not self, because we're still confused about who we truly are, then that's the gift it'll bring until we learn that. But if the open center is aligned and you're in the truth of who you are in that center, even though the quote unquote truth of who you are is undefined, the truth of who you are is magic, it's spirit, it's source. And so what can come through that open center, just like I'm doing right now with my open throat, is I'm giving you the wisdom. I'm not giving you my not self-victimized experience of my open throat and blah, 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 blah. We know there's plenty of stories on that one too. (laughs) But that's not where I'm at anymore. Where I'm at now is I can share the wisdom from my open throat because that's what's being attracted. And so the same thing is true for my open solar plexus. So even today as I was navigating what felt like a starting point of quote unquote, not mine, what it really was is ways in which my not self was still being held in my various centers. And it was the next level of expansion. It was the next level of healing. You beautifully supported me through 
and that we together through soul magic want to beautifully support people through. So if all of this seems like, yeah, that's great, but that doesn't, that's not my experience. You're right. It's nobody's experience when they're trying to do a human design experiment on their own or when they're trying to do it with people who intellectually understand human design, but aren't healers and coaches and intuitives because where we're really all going with all of this is to know the divine truth of who we are, which is complete source energy in human bodies. I don't want to say anything because you, Tina, <laughs> this is so good. Do you have it's anything like, else to say? It's only because you rang me out and washed me out and I had to like jump off another cliff today and you said it's okay it's safe and I said do I have a squirrel suit and you realized oh my god she thinks she's jumping off a cliff where there's no water and so you reminded me that there's water mm -hmm. <laughs> like these things only happen because we greet the terror because we're willing to be brave and that happens differently for all of us. For me, with my defined full heed, both Ajna and crown, so much stuck stuff can happen in those file cabinets in the Ajna and in those shoulds of the crown and all this. Ugh. And so part of it was coming back into my G center, into this atrium of what I call my heart, but the middle of my chest where my incarnation cross all lives, all four gates of it. So damn right, you better expect that most of my gems, most of my gold are gonna lead me back to living more fully the truth of my incarnation cross. Cause that's the, like, that's the engine for so much of it. And there's so much healing and expansion available for all of us. So, it can be fun to play around with these open centers, or if you're somebody who has a ton of open centers, you still have an incarnation cross. You still have a prevailing place where a majority of your energy is aligned when you are allowing yourself to live in that alignment. Boom. Boom. I love you. Thank you for doing this. I love you. Thank you for walking me so bravely on this journey and not ever flinching, no matter what the fuck mess I bring to you. I love your mess. And I believe that you are, you said earlier you were jumping off the cliff and screaming. I believe you just did a double backflip. <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope those case studies were helpful. And remember, you can book your very own human design reading at kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And you can get gift certificates for all your friends and family under the play with me tab on, on kelseyabbott.com. And then if you're not on my email list yet, get yourself on there. And when you get on there, you get 
your free love note and the free love note for all the different energy types, generator, manifesting generator, manifestor, projector, and reflector. You can do that at kelseyabbott.com slash love notes. I love you. You are incredible. Go forth and be awesome.